um, there's such a disconnect between what we read in the New Testament, especially in people's experience of church today. And, you know, people kind of tend to write it off as contextualization or, you know, whatever reason people want to give. And I just, I kind of refuse to believe that. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help busy people reclaim good practices for faith and life. Here's your host, Tony Meltenberger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm excited to bring you this conversation about how to balance faith and life. And today we're going to take a unique perspective by looking at the essence of community as it pertains to faith, life, and your walk with Christ. And I'm here with two uh, brothers of mine, Stephen and Casey. What's up, guys? How's it going? What is up? Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Glad to be here with you, man. Good. So, hey, why don't, why don't you guys kind of give everyone a little bit of your story and uh, tell us about how, you know, kind of where you guys are in the Reader's Digest version. Uh, Stephen, why don't you go first and, and kind of give us a rundown? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, uh, church-wise, grew up in the United Methodist Church, kind of all we knew. Um, we were at church every time the doors were open. My parents served on every committee possible. Uh, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, kids choir, youth choir, all that good stuff. Um, however, it wasn't until um, I was about 14 or 15 years old uh, when I was uh, discipled really well by a couple of young life guys when I actually started following Jesus and understood what that meant and um, kind of surrendered my life to him. Uh, from there, a couple of years later, started feeling call a call into the ministry. <laughs> Uh, there was no burning bush moment or anything like that. It was just kind of uh, when I felt like uh, when I thought about being in ministry, I kind of came alive inside. And when I thought about doing anything else, um, it was it was kind of an emptiness that I felt inside. So that's kind of how I felt called and uh, went the kind of the typical route. Um, uh, graduated from Duke uh, Seminary, served as a associate pastor for about six years. And then from there. Went and served a church as a senior pastor for about a year. And then I went to a particularly large Methodist church. And um, after I did that, uh, went there to start a, a um, modern venue there as a some kind of an experiment they wanted to try. And so I did that for about five years. And that kind of gets us to where Casey and I met. And after a couple of years of uh, discernment and friendship with him, um, we decided to try to do something together and start something new. Yeah, and now, um, how how many kids do you have, Stephen? Uh, we got three. Um, three. So three kids. There are eight, six, and three. Two boys and a girl. And how long have you been married? Um, yeah, met my wife in undergrad. Um, so and she survived the seminary years. Married ago. about. Uh, she did. Yeah, we weren't. Um, we we got married. Uh, I graduated in in May. Um, that was the month in which I graduated. We got married in June and I started my first appointment in July of that summer. I got to love those methods. Um, so that was about good. 12 years ago. Well, that's right, man. It's all about the method. You know that. <laughs> Casey, what about you, brother? Uh, give us, give us your kind of story. It's similar, but yet also a little different. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, similar in that we ended in the same spot, different in that how we got there was completely different. I, from upstate New York, had no uh, kind of Christian background up until the age of 15, where my mom came to know Christ in a pretty dramatic uh, fashion, 
my family started going to church that, that now, began my dramatic, dramatic fashion. Is that like altar call kind of like, uh, you know, what's dramatic fashion mean? That's like dead on the operating table near death experience, outer body experience, like too much to go into. I'm not trying to freak anybody out. Right. But right. That's, but that's what happened. So she came home and she was different. Uh, months later invited us to church and that started the journey towards Jesus, but uh, I didn't come to faith uh, fully and surrendered my life until I was 21. So well through college, halfway through senior year, already kind of had a trajectory. I was an accounting major and had a job lined up with GE Capital. So I was going into the corporate world, which I was super excited to go and change the world by making lots of money. Uh, so I did that, went, into GE, went to work for GE Capital in Connecticut where I met my wife and we got married, uh, found a great church, was discipled by uh, a couple individuals in kind of different aspects of my life. Uh, and they kind of walked me through um, engagement and then marriage, almost went to overseas to Kosovo as a missionary at one point. Oh, wow. Um, uh, ended up moving to Scottsdale, Arizona, had our first kid. And all along the way, kind of as I'm, I'm inching my way up this ladder through GE, uh, just different opportunities for ministry. So some large churches in Connecticut, a, a big church in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I got to do youth ministry and worship leading and small group leading and prayer ministry, uh, and then ultimately discipling uh, a handful of guys uh, through the time that I was there, moved back to Connecticut for a little stint, and then ended up in Charlotte seven years ago. And about three years into that time, uh, transitioned out of uh, corporate America into full-time vocational ministry. Uh, working for a, a pretty traditional Methodist church. They had asked me to lead and start uh, a new venue, very similar to Stephen. So this is where our paths started to converge. And uh, so I got to know Stephen because he was doing something similar to what I was doing on uh, the other side of town. We became friends and family friends. And over the past couple of years, just started to discern a call to start something new together. And how many kids do you have? I have four uh, uh, beautiful children between the ages of three and eight. God bless. He has, and that's enough. That's enough. That's uh, enough and how long have you been married? I've been married uh, 10 years, was last September. So we're coming up on uh, 11 this year. So uh, you guys are both managing uh, really decent-sized families, um, church planning, all the stuff. Tell me a little bit about your guys' setup in terms of how your organization is set up because I think it's a little different than most and it's kind of intriguing because you guys kind of run a partnership, right? Yeah, you could, you could look at it like that. So Stephen and I set out at the beginning to start this, this church. We didn't know exactly how it was going to uh, roll out, but through the help of a third party consultant yeah. who did a lot of um, analysis on who Stephen and I were, our strengths, our weaknesses, we, we realized uh, we both had capacity to lead but realized that our gift sets and natural inclinations and personalities were just very, very different. Uh, and so that was naturally going to lead to certain roles and things that we were both kind of better at. Uh, and we've kind of worked our way through that over the last year, which has been really cool uh, because in this, this two by two uh, mindset that Jesus sent his disciples out in that, that first time, I think there's something to that. And we see a lot of partnerships in the new Testament and, uh, the journeys that Paul goes on, uh, because this is tough, man. Like any any sole um, proprietor of church or a church organization, man. There's so many pitfalls uh, to that that I just see, and 
and probably would have experienced had not this been a partnership with, with Stephen because every joy is doubled, every hardship uh, or challenge is halved. Um, every time we face a difficult scenario situation, we get to kind of come together, pray, discuss, uh, process, and we both process things so differently. It's been just really healthy to see that. And from an ego perspective, just being as transparent as possible, I could imagine that if you were just the sole solo guy or gal, um, you know, if things start to go well, you start to look at yourself and go, look, look what I made, like, look what I did. And through this, there's just mutual accountability. There's mutual sharing of, of the, of the joy together. So it's a, it's a God celebration versus a Casey celebration or a Steven celebration. So that's been really helpful. Steven, what are your thoughts on, on kind of how this has all come together in terms of the, the partnership and the way you guys are doing, uh, working together? Yeah, I think uh, that work that we did at the very beginning before we even got started um, in taking some assessments, working with a consultant uh, to review results of those assessments, uh, that was really invaluable. Um, I think it was kind of uh, <clears throat> God's grace um, at the beginning. Um, and uh, there's one of the things that Casey and I say regularly is that, you know, I never really do anything that surprises him whether he agrees with it or not, or anything I say. And he never really does anything that surprises me or says anything that surprises me just because um, we took some time on the front end to get to know each other so well, how we're wired, um, what kind of environments we work best in, um, some of those really important things that, uh, that can um, help to relieve the tension uh, later down the road. Um, so, and then we really, I mean, we really just had a burden to reach our city. I mean, we, we, we have great affection for the city in which we live. Um, we were pretty uh, tired of the complexity in the local church. You know, that's something that for me started many years ago. I mean, as you read through the story of God, um, there's such a disconnect between what we read in the New Testament, especially in people's experience of church today. And, you know, people kind of tend to write it off as contextualization or you know, whatever reason people want to give. And I just, I kind of refuse to believe that. Um, I thought that, that it could be, you know, people could experience um, church uh, uh, similarly to how we read about it in the New Testament um, than what most people do these days, at least in the American church. Yeah, it's, it's great. And the fact that you guys were able to kind of come together and do this, I, you know, we often talk a lot about faith and balance on this podcast. And one of the things that intrigues me about this idea is that it can be so lonely at the top, uh, but when you, you've got a built-in partner um, who, whose mission is, uh, you know, basically mission-driven like you are, do you find, I mean, you guys have both led congregations. Do you find that this is less lonely, I guess? Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, for sure. We, we joke um, about how we, we even quit to each other basis you know like what uh to echo what casey was saying earlier like we always have each other there to to support and, and we both are going to feel every movement um of this journey uh more so than anybody else within the organization so to have somebody to share that with um has been enormous now casey what's been your guys's rhythm of of prayer and and walking with god together because I, I would imagine that as a partnership and we see this all the time in marriages and you guys kind of are our work husbands too much, too much. Okay. That's too much. Just, just <laughs> enough. <laughs> How do you guys manage that relationship of, you're not the, uh, you're not the first one. I, and I'm sure I won't be the last, yeah, including our wives. <laughs> 
so, how do you guys manage right. that saying both connected to God in that process? Yeah. So for, for me, I think we, we started to do some things accidentally in the beginning that I think set a really good trajectory. Um, and, and one of those things was just prayer um, and not prayer like, Hey man, I'm praying for you or Hey, like, yeah, well, let's go pray about this and come back together. Like I remember times like in parking lots and cars, like feeling overwhelmed, trying to sift through like what the call of God was on us. And we'd be like, Oh, let's stop right now and let's pray together. Um, and that, that just carried through to the rhythm of even like how we set up a week and when we're at our best and when, and you know, block scheduling, or you've probably talked about it before, um, you, you set apart certain times and when we're at our best, we have at least uh, two touch points in the week, uh, on mornings where we'll do a rundown of the week and, and start in prayer. And there are sometimes like Monday, Tuesday, or is it more spread out than that? I mean, let's get tactile with it. Yeah. So it's Monday mornings and usually Wednesday mornings. Uh, like I said, when we're at our best Mo- Mondays for sure. And then Wednesdays, I would say 60% of the time, 50% of the time. Um, and, and then regular times of that, like when we're with people, uh, it will not be strange for us to pause to whether it's someone departing to go on a mission trip or someone going out of town or dropping somebody off, you know, just the other day we're in a parking lot. Like our rhythm of prayer is let's not wait until we're in our prayer closets. Let's just pray now. Uh, and I think that's something God just put in both of us that we're just very comfortable to move into that. So we have the tech, we have the, the staples and moments that we're doing that. Uh, and then we have the communal times. Like uh, we started the 2018 with prayer nights every other week. Um, so this is seven o'clock. We get together on Friday and we go until nine, nine fifteen, nine thirty, depending on kind of what's going on. And that's worship and that's prayer and that's out loud and that's, you know, over people and different things. So, uh, I think this bedrock of prayer has not just been like an ethereal thought. It's been something that we've just baked into our calendars and our schedules and our, our, our rhythms. Now, have both of you guys been in churches that had done prayer nights like that before, or is this something that God kind of placed on both your guys' heart as you are planting this new community? Steve, why don't you answer that first? Um, I can't say that I have been a part of churches um, before where um, I think, and um, you know, not, not to be, um, disrespectful of, of any churches where I've served in the past, but I think prayer was a bit obligatory um, rather than an intentional focus. Hmm. Um, so it's not that people didn't pray, um, but it was a bit ritualistic. And so, uh, but yet I would again, go visit other churches um, sometimes in other parts of the world, um, places like uh, North Africa, um, Central America, and the emphasis on prayer uh, was just different um, in those areas and in those churches. And, um, you know, I kind of developed a hunger for something like that within me than what I was typically experiencing in, in church here. That's great. How, how do you guys keep uh, your church hungry for prayer? How do you guys promote that culture, Casey? Yeah, you, you can't. <laughs> um, at least that's what I'm finding. Like you, you can't force, you can't push, you can only display, um, speak to and celebrate and, and then posture yourself before the Lord and just like ask like, Lord, give us hunger and and thirst, um, for you. Give us a longing for that. So it's, it's interesting. There are some folks in our community, like when we have our prayer nights, we have like a, a core of probably six to 12 people that are just always there. And you just know that that's, that's a part of their being. That's a part of who they are. 
And then there's some other folks that you talk to and it's kind of this, Oh yeah, I, I meant to be there. I meant to do it, but I, uh, I, I couldn't, you know, and then you get to talk to them behind a closed door and it's like, yeah, man, like, what are you guys doing there for two hours? Um, and so I mean, some of listen, it, I like to pray, but two hours seems like a long time. Yeah. Does it go fast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me, it does, man. It goes, it goes, I mean, yeah, some, some, some nights it's, it's tough. Sometimes you're just waiting on the Lord to do something, say something, move in a certain way, like explode. And other nights, I mean, we had, we had a prayer night a month or so ago where there was probably six of us. And I'll tell you, it was like heaven had come to earth for an hour and a half. And we looked up and we're like, dude, it's nine o'clock already. Holy cow. That's awesome. Um, and that's not every time. Like there's no magical potion and there's no, you know, voodoo that makes this happen. It's just, I think when people come hungry, there's just something special that gets stirred up in the spiritual places. So the more we celebrate that, the more we model that, the more we teach and, and lead people in, inside of their communities to, to do this on their own, then it becomes much less mystified and more just like, yes, this is what is necessary for us to see revival take place. And one of the themes that I've been hearing a lot from people lately is this intentionality and practices that we want to promote. Uh, you guys are a disciple-making church with an emphasis on community Stephen, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what that means and looks like in the context of your, uh, your community? I mean, all the intentional community that I've heard you guys talk about, what does that look like if I'm coming to your church for the first time, my wife and three kids, where are you putting me? Yeah. Um, so at the core, uh, of, uh, our church is uh, one-on-one discipling relationships. Um, so that's, uh, one believer, um, guiding, uh, another believer along in the ways of uh, following Jesus. Uh, we use the word obedience a lot, that when we look at the commands of Jesus and what Jesus um, as Lord uh, uh, has commanded us to do, what does our obedience to those commands look like and, and how do we help each other to be obedient, to hold each other accountable. Um, and so that comes from, you know, for me and for Casey, our greatest moments of our greatest seasons of transformation um, in our faith journey have been when we were intentionally discipled um, kind of one-on-one. So we said, what would it be like to create a church culture uh, um, around that? Um, and then outside the next uh, layer, beyond the one-on-one discipling relationships, um, are what we call devoted communities. And these are groups of six to eight people plus kids. Uh, and they get together two to three times per week, ideally. Uh, we call them touch points. So to have two to three touch points a week, a touch point can be um, that group getting together and having dinner. It can be that group getting together and uh, having some discussion around scripture, what they're reading together. Um, uh, it could be um, some discussion around what the message was from our gathering on Sunday morning. Uh, it can be going to the pool. It can be going to the park, going to the movies. Um, we say what we're trying to do is raise people to the level of family. You know, if uh, Tony, as we sit here and we talk, if I get a phone call and it's my wife or uh, a child, then I'm going to say, hey, I got to take this. I got to go, right? Um, what would it look like to raise, you know, four to six other adults to that level um, where you just you are devoted to one another as family. Um, and we, we got that straight from Acts 2, 42 to 47. Yeah. It says, you know, where the believers there were, they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to fellowship, devoted to prayer, devoted to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread. Um, so we said, well, what if we just did that? Um, so, and it's been amazing. Um, you know, obviously we've had to have some people reorient their lives around that kind of a commitment to one another, which is um, very uh, abnormal in our um, wealthy suburban context. Um, but for those that, that have made it priority, 
um, it's been amazing. And I've been, I've been surprised at, at how much people have, um, how much devotion they've shown to one another in all of it. But I mean, you know, when I think about what the trends that we see around the United States right now, one of them is to do all these like Spartan races and kind of raise the bar. And I, I think in this model, you guys have raised the bar. You guys have kind of went Spartan mode on the churches, which I really like. <laughs> uh, Casey, how is, how is yeah, this Spartan idea? Of church, man. Spartan church. I think you guys, that's, I'll buy that shirt. Uh, Casey, how have you, how's this kind of impacted your life? I, I mean, and, and you've got little kids and a wonderful wife, you know, how, how's this changed you guys? So this past year and or 13 months has been what, what, what Stephen and I have written about and talked about a lot, like a journey towards clarity, which is not what anyone wants to hear. That's looking to start something new. So that's a journey to clarity for Stephen and I, that's a journey of clarity for me and my wife. Uh, journey of clarity for me and my family and for all the families that have decided to jump on board. So in, individually and, and what we're seeing um, from a, a holistic standpoint is, is people walking into a, a community where they can't hide. Um, and that sounds like kind of mischievous and, and uh, conniving, but at the same time, like I think that's what the, the family of the church, the body of believers was supposed to be a place where you shouldn't hide. You shouldn't want to hide. And, and therefore, uh, either you lean into it like a Spartan race or you run away from it because it scares the crap out of you. Um, and so for my family and for me and my wife, and as we are raising these kids and, and speaking these things out over community and then going home, like I've seen a almost one-to-one correlation between me in, as an individual walking in step with this vision and my kids and my wife beginning to walk in step with this vision, specifically my wife, like I can brag on her for a bit. Like I've just seen such tremendous growth in her, such tremendous like excitement about what God's doing, um, really leaning into the ways of Jesus in her individual life and how she interacts with the community around her. Um, and, and just a, a, a desire in her to see others come to know Jesus in, in like intimate specific ways, which you know, not to say she didn't have that before, but the intentionality with which we're now living our lives, like we have people over at our house, I kid you not, four nights a week. Like it would be rare for you to come over and visit for a week and not see at least three or four families. And that's not like braggy, that's like sacrifice. That's my wife who works really hard, does, you know, mommying all day, every day for four kids, has a cake pop business on the side, is an amazing wife, but then also hosting all these people. So it's come at a sacrifice, but like she's leaning in and going, this is, this is amazing. And this is what we think God wants. So for me personally, this has just been like an incredible year, incredible just to see what God's doing in us. Now, Stephen, does it look the same at your house as well? Are you guys having people over three, four nights a week? Is that part of your balance? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that it's three or four times a week. Um, but but Casey's think, like the strongest uh, extra has... I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Casey, <laughs> you uh, love it. He, he, he doesn't really know what to do with himself if he doesn't have a large group to hang out around at all times, 24 um, seven. I'm kind of the other end of the spectrum, um, which is just one of the ways in which we are almost entirely opposite from one another. Um, and so, uh, it, but for me and my wife, we're, we're both similar in that. And for us, it's really pushed us. Um, what does it look like um, to be obedient to Jesus as far as hospitality for us? You know, what, what does it look like for us to open up some space to make some room uh, for some people in our lives who we wouldn't normally. And I've been impressed with my wife as well to see her really step into that and 
um, really be intentional to to try to speak into the lives of some other uh, women in particular in our neighborhood um, who she probably wouldn't otherwise. So it's, it's, it's pushed us, it's challenged us and uh, for the good. It's incredible guys. I love the way that you're kind of really highlighting the importance balance in the relationships and then balance in the community and how that all comes together. Uh, if you guys were going to look back at your Christian life, what would you tell your younger selves that you now know? Uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? Uh, like, what would you look back and say, Stephen, as you're getting ready to go into seminary or just coming out of seminary, this is what you need to know about your walk or what would you, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> yeah, what a great question. Um, I think I would tell myself that uh, God is sovereign. And so, um, you know, as much as we can try to uh, follow Jesus, um, live into the ways of Jesus, be obedient to the commands of Jesus um, at the end of the day, uh, God is sovereign and we have to appreciate um, his plan, his time and uh, not try to force things. You know, that's one of the, um, for me, especially in this most recent journey, um, I just decided I wasn't going to force things. I wasn't going to force things when it came to my leadership. I wasn't going to force things when it came to my faith and a huge relief. It, you know, my faith is deepened in the sense that I'm, I'm just no longer forcing things. If, if I start to move a particular direction and, and I feel like the Lord's not in that, then I stop and I wait. Um, and I, uh, I pursue him and I ask him where to go and when to go. And, um, and that's okay. That's awesome. Casey, same, same question to you. What would you look back in, in kind of your journey and, and tell your younger self? Yeah, I think my younger self transitioning into full-time vocational ministry, there was a moment and, and a long moment, a season where like I felt I had to play catch up, right? I was an accounting major that went into GE Capital, worked for you know corporate America for almost 10 years, and now I'm transitioning into this this new role and I'm looking around me seeing you know all the same guys you see on podcasts and magazines and I'm like well in the corporate world in the mindset I had like I wanted to be the CEO of the company that was my mindset that was yeah. where I was going um, that's what I wanted to do so trying to translate those two things of like oh so to be successful based on what everyone seems to be holding in high esteem it means I have to like be them and what was a long, unfortunate battle was realizing I'm not them. Uh, I don't function the same way. I don't think the same way. Uh, so the advice I would be giving myself at that transition point is like, look, who you are, this unique Casey that's you know crazy and off the wall and does things before he really thinks about them and you know isn't always so structured and organized, but somehow pulls things off ever so often. Like that guy's okay. Like he, he can do ministry too. It's going to be different from maybe what you see, you know, held in high esteem, but you you can still be effective. And that this God given heart for people is actually your greatest asset, not your preaching, not your teaching, not your organizational stuff, like how you, and when you love people well, like that's going to be your greatest asset and lean into that. That's probably what, where, where it would have started. Uh, and I think that's so true for so many of us that we, we get caught in the the skills and not necessarily just the foundation of it all, which is that love and how you love other people. So that's, that's really incredible. Uh, it, do you guys feel like that your church is, is balanced in kind of its walk? I mean, you guys are kind of doing a different type of church in the sense that it's intentionally building disciples, which sounds so weird because it feels like every church should be doing that. That's, uh, you know, if you're going to look at Matthew 28, 
but like uh, in terms of like the 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 way you guys look, it looks different. Does it, does that offset you guys at all, Casey? Yeah, I think when we get to like that balance thing, um, besides a monthly prayer night and a couple opportunities here or there to serve like our community, we have intentionally removed any uh, obligatory things that people need to spend time on for the corporate uh, structure of the church, other than setting up, you know, for 50 minutes on a Sunday. And that's every five weeks. Other than that, we are attempting to remove any and all programmatic approaches to basically say, here's your life. Here's what Christ, here's how Christ has made you like, go be Christ in those places, not here. Like come, come here and celebrate what God's doing, but like go. Um, and I think that th- throws church people like in quotations, you can't see it if you're listening. It's like throws church people for a loop because they're like, no, no, I want to get involved. Like I want to get involved. And we're like, right. cool, get involved in those people's lives, get involved in those people's lives, like invest and invite people into your life and then see what God does. And there's a massive disconnect because if they've come from maybe a more traditional model, as you speak, our, our approach is a little bit different. If they come from a different approach, their only point of reference is no how I get involved or how I get in is by volunteering to do this, this, and this. And we've removed all that. So those, those normal, those old normal on-ramps are no longer there. So life ends up being the program. That's awesome. Which mess, which messes people up. I love that. I love actually throwing people off balance a little bit that way and, and making people say no uh, to stuff so they can say yes to living out the disciple making vision. Steven, did I, did I do that justice or are you, am I missing any piece of that in terms of balance of our community? Yeah, no, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, you know, one of the questions that we ask regularly in our community is uh, who are three people close to you, but far from God are you praying for on a regular basis? And it's funny because we actually tell our people don't invite people to church, invite them into your lives um, and wow. see what the Lord can do through those relationships. Um, so uh, we, we want people in each other's homes, um, really more so than we really want them, um, to gather together communally all as one group, um, on the weekend at the gathering. Um, if we can have people in each other's homes, uh, on a regular basis, praying for each other, um, showing devotion to one another and then inviting others who are close to them, but far from God into that kind of community and just seeing what the Lord does with that. I love it. I love it. And I love you guys. I love your heart for disciple making any, any closing thoughts on, uh, this balance of, of faith and life and what it looks like? Um, if you figured it out, if you figure it out, let me know, man. Yeah, I think what I'm learning is that it's 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 like uh, the the balance is that faith kind of is life, and that's what I think. That's what you guys are. That's what you guys are saying, right, Casey? Th- closing thoughts? Yeah, I I think Eugene Peterson when he's when he was making his uh, interpretations of Jesus line about like my yoke is easy like come to me all who are heavy laden and I, and I don't know the exact verbiage people can look it up but basically he says like put down the yoke of religiosity and all that garbage and like come over here and I'll show you what life actually is hmm. and, and, I, and I think there's there's something to what we're trying and what we're leaning into and, and starting to experience which is like stop doing a bunch of things and just start being um, and see what God can do because it's uncomfortable. You're exposed. Um, it, it requires a level of authenticity that the world isn't really like hyping up. 
but I think there's something to what Jesus is welcoming us into, which is don't segment, don't bifurcate, but just be. Um, and as you do that, you find that life is abundant, um, even when it's messy. So that's what we're trying to do. Now, gentlemen, if, uh, if somebody wants to learn more about Multiply Church, about what you're doing, if they're like, I need this in my life, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, Casey? I think the best way multiplychurch.com. <laughs> Multiply Church. They were not ready for that question. Yeah. I threw them off. Yeah, multiplychurch.com. Great. Well, hey, guys, uh, thank you so much for your willingness to be open and to share about what God's doing. I absolutely love it and appreciate you guys. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate you too, man. Thanks, Tony. Love you, brother. Like what you heard? Please take a minute to rate and share so others like you can find good practices for faith and life.